How does recycled tin help you prevent cavities? And the bird logo for Twitter has a name. What is it? Mm. Answers to those and other questions coming up in this half hour of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. With fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia, and Bob and Marsha. <laughs> okay, Marsha, how does recycled tin help you prevent cavities? Well, well, what is it in uh, toothpaste that they say? Chloride. Stannous right? fluoride. Prevents cavities. So maybe is is that an element of tin? It's made up of tin. Yes, stannous fluoride. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Yes, Marcia, you are <laughs> right. Stannous fluoride, the cavity-fighting ingredient in toothpaste, is made from recycled tin. The fluoride does two things. It reduces the ability of bacteria to make acids, and it remineralizes tooth areas that have been attacked by acids. So you can thank Recycled Tin for better teeth. I will thank them later in a, in a personal letter. Okay. <laughs> okay, Bob, you know that little blue logo bird on Twitter, right? Right, so, right, right. Okay. There's a name. It has he a has name. has a name. Do you know what it is? Tweety. Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird? bird? <laughs> yeah. No. It's, I thought I told a booty, Ted. No. It's Larry Larry. Larry Bird. <laughs> Larry Bird, he was a basketball Very player. Very good, Bob. To many people's surprise, Larry Bird was the inspiration for the Twitter bird. I had no idea. Uh, Larry Bird is a Hall of Fame basketball player. Yeah. And uh, the Twitter director, Biz Stone from Boston, Biz Stone, that's quite a name, named the bird after his hometown's biggest basketball star. In 2006, the Twitter bird was originally thinner and a little different. He was bought as a stock image for $15. Oh, no kidding. It's a stock image. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's like the swoosh that was uh, yeah, designed Nike? for $35. Just, of course, they yeah. gave that one stock later, but I bet the stock image company didn't get any stock from Twitter for this. Well, apparently, it said the Twitter bird was originally thinner and a little bit different. So they beefed it up. A little bit, yeah. Okay, Marcia, word origins. Turn a blind eye. Where does ah, that come ah, from? Ah. Turn a blind eye. Where does it come from? It comes from the 1776 battle. Let's start again. All right. Where does it come from? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, it goes back to 1801, and it's commonly accepted that turning a blind eye comes from a comment made by the British Admiral Horatio Nelson. He was blind in one eye, All and right. he had an eye patch. Okay. And in 1801, he was in a battle. He led the attack alongside Admiral Sir Hyde Parker oh, okay. in the so. Battle of Copenhagen. Now, this is funny. Parker communicated to Nelson via flags that they needed to retreat and disengage. Nelson, however, was convinced they could prevail if they just pushed onward. So he held the telescope to his blind eye and pretended not to see the signal. I don't see the flags. <laughs> Making a sly comment to a fellow officer about reserving the right to use his blind eye every now and then. Well, that's diabolically amusing. <laughs> I don't see going. nothing. You see something? I don't see it. <laughs> okay, Bob, what do the following birds... Birds, Bob. Man, uh, birds, is that is that a topic for you today? Yes, this is the second and last bird question of the day. Okay. 
ravens, uh, eagles, cardinals, and beautiful falcons. What about them? What do they have in common? Ravens, eagles, falcons. And cardinals. And cardinals. They're all athletic teams. Specifically? The, wasn't that the Baltimore Ravens at one point? Yeah, but specifically what sport? Football. Good for you. I didn't think you'd get that. Okay, little Miss Smarty Pants, <laughs> uh-huh. where can you find the world's most expensive ice cream and how much is it? Okay. New York, Dubai, Shanghai, China, or London, England? Is it New York? I remember doing a story once on them having the most expensive pizza. Pizza, right. And cheesecake. So I'm going to go for ice cream, too. Well, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> you have to head to Scooby Cafe in Dubai to sample the world's most expensive ice cream scoop. You know what it costs? Tell me. It retails for an eye-popping 817 U.S. dollars. Oh, Lord. It features made-from-scratch Madagascan vanilla ice cream topped with a heavenly medley of <sighs> Italian truffles, saffron, and 23-carat edible gold flakes. Oh, those again, gold, gold flakes gold. again. In the food. You may only get one scoop, but you get to keep the elegant black Versace-designed bowl. Oh, that is... <sighs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> that is so sad. It's far from the most expensive dessert in the world, which is in New York. And is it the cheesecake? Uh, let's see. A luxurious gold-infused sundae at New York City's Serendipity 3 restaurant. They added this uh, to the menu, the luxurious gold-infused sundae in 2007. That cost $25,000. I think that's pathetic if people... Well, if you got it, you might... No, if you got it, helps. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it. Or maybe help somebody with well, it. Well, that's true. You can still have, you know, toys, but yeah, that's that, it just is, silliness. Okay, it's ridiculous. Okay. All right. Wouldn't you like to taste of it just to see what it tastes, though? I don't think gold flakes have a flavor. No, no. I mean, the whole dessert. Doesn't it sound delicious other than the gold flakes? No. Okay. All right. Here, this I expect you to get. Let's see if you do. Well, I expect this from uh, you. <laughs> Civility. <laughs> All right, dear. Okay. Name the three most closely related pairs of presidents. Pairs of presidents? Yeah. Who are the three? Well, the Adamses. Who are? That's John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Correct. Father and son. Father and uh, son. The two Bushes. That's uh, George Bush and George W. Bush, father Co- and son. Correct. And then there's another pair. There is. Are they the Harrisons? That is. That's William Henry Harrison and Benjamin Harrison. And who is Ben? Benjamin was the grandson of William Henry Harrison. Excellent. All ding, right. ding. You ding, got ding, all three. Ding, ding, ding yes, for me. That's my boy. Okay, Marcia. I don't know if you notice this, but there is a series that's on one of the streamers about the making of The Godfather. When he began shooting the film The Godfather, what was director Francis Ford Coppola's greatest fear? The greatest fear he had when he began shooting The Godfather was... Was? Was? Marlon Brando wouldn't show up? Well, that probably was one fear. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It was that the mob violence in the story was outdated. Oh. That's what critics claimed. They knew that this book was going to be made into a movie, and yeah. they said, oh, that's outdated that's stuff. old stuff. Well, he had that... no reason to worry. <laughs> Because when Paramount said it was going to go ahead with the filming anyway, violence began. The producer, Al Ruddy's car windows were shot out. 
Threatening phone calls came into his office, strange cars began following him, and bomb threats evacuated the headquarters of Paramount's parent corporation, Gulf and Western, twice. And the problem was traced to the Italian-American Civil Rights League. They went out and said, we're uh, mistreating Italian-Americans in movies, and there were parades and marches. Well, that league was a mob front headed by Joseph Colombo, who was an actual mob boss. Oh, he was, definitely. Claimed to be a legitimate real estate agent. (laughs) And in 1971, this Paramount producer met with him and said, okay, how can we do this movie? You, You know, your group's very upset about things. What do we need to do? He gave them a copy of the script, the producer did, and said the film's not going to embrace any stereotypes. And Joseph Colombo and his son said, well, that's not good enough. You can't mention the mafia or La Costa Nostra in the script. They're outdated terms. He also demanded all of the proceeds from the movie premiere go to the Italian-American League. And so... So the producer agreed, and he got fired. (laughs) But he was hired back later. But here's the interesting thing. Colombo, this guy was seen as a showboat by a lot of other mobsters. Yeah. He's out there. What is he doing? Yeah. Out there in public saying all this stuff. So... Colombo was gunned down at a rally of his Italian-American league. A man disguised as a press photographer shot him three times. He went into a coma. And then, a year later, as payback for the shooting, Colombo's rival, Joey Gallo, was killed while eating at a restaurant for his birthday. And suddenly, Francis Ford Coppola didn't need to worry about this outdated violence because it was <laughs> right up to date when the movie opened in 1972. Wow. I was going to say the 70s. In Milwaukee, there was... Uh Mob violence. The mafia was uh, infiltrated in all sorts of places. The problems that the movie makers had when they were making The Godfather are depicted in the Paramount Plus TV series, The Offer. That's what it's about. I'd like to see that, yeah. It's all all about this stuff that that went on. Okay. I gave you a couple of easy squeezies. Now I'm going to give you something you hate. What's that? Two riddles. Oh, God. (laughs) No, not riddles. Okay, Bob. I'll give you two easy riddles. In 14 states including Utah. It is legal for a man to marry his widow's sister. True or false? It's legal or illegal? It is legal for a man to marry his widow's sister. True or false? I think it's legal. Why wouldn't that be legal? Because if he has a widow, he's dead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm stupid then. Okay. Call yeah. me stupid. Okay. And so, all No, right. no, really, call me that. <laughs> uh, no, you're my honey bunny. Okay, all right. <laughs> Homer's mother has four children, Bob. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three of them are named Spring, Summer, and Autumn. What is the fourth named? <laughs> Wait a minute. You said he has three. So there's not four. No. Homer's mother has four children. Three of them are named Spring, Summer, and Autumn. So Homer is the fourth one. Good for you. You got a riddle. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. That's, uh, I'm I'm delighted for you. I think it's time for a break now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm all riddled. Go out on a high note, I am. I'm quitting on the riddle. Okay. (laughs) I'm writing the riddles high. This is Bob Smith along with Marcia Smith. You're listening to The (laughs) Off-Ramp. We'll be back in just a moment. Okay, Marsha, back again with the off-ramp. I've got a question about geography. All right. And I'm going to give you choices. Okay. Just like you give me in the riddle. Okay. (laughs) You may have never heard of it, but Lake Nicaragua, it's the largest freshwater lake in Central America. Okay. Think of freshwater lakes like Lake Huron, Lake Michigan, Lake Erie. I'm thinking, Bob. Okay. 
and Lake Superior, but <laughs> Lake Nicaragua. What makes it different from the Great Lakes of North America? Is it volcanoes? Is it nearer to the ocean? Is it sharks and swordfish? Really? <laughs> what is it? Is it a freshwater lake? It's a freshwater lake. It's known as the Sweet Sea down there. The Sweet Sea. It covers 3,149 square miles. Well, does it have sharks? Yes, it does. Wow. But not just that. It's all three. Yeah. (laughs) More than 40 rivers drain into it, and it's believed it was once part of an ocean, but it was cut off by a volcano erupting a long time ago. In fact, there are two volcanoes in the lake today, a third on its western edge, and according to Britannica, Lake Nicaragua is the only freshwater lake in the world containing sharks, swordfish, and tarpon. They're all ocean dwellers who adapted to fresh water. They adapted. Adapted to fresh water over time. Well, I'll be dang. I wouldn't have guessed that. I never heard of that before. It's no. fascinating. Yeah. Remember the Neil Diamond hit song, Heartlight? Yes, Turn on the Heartlight. Okay. He wrote it with Carol Bayer, Sager, and Burt Bacharach. Yes. What precipitated the writing of that song? I thought it had to do with E.T., You're right. Ah. All three of them saw the movie E.T. Came out in 82, right? Mm -hmm. E.T.'s beating heart did light up through his little translucent torso. E.T. is never mentioned by name in in the song, but the lyrics reference a certain bicycle across the moon. (laughs) Well, Universal Executive sued. I didn't know that. For copyright infringement, and Diamond settled for $25,000. Oh, that's not much money. No, but he settled. and uh, He probably made a case that, hey, this is going to help your film. And they said, well, we still need a nominal sum. Probably twenty-five grand. yeah. Turn on your heart. That's interesting. I had no idea that he got sued for that. All right, Marcia, tell me why apples are a great coffee substitute. Well... Regular apples. All I can think of is it has some kind of properties that perk you up. That would make sense. Yes. But it's the process of eating them. Oh, it expends energy and wakes you up. That's right. Chewing an apple is considered just as effective at waking you up in the morning as drinking a cup of coffee because the act of chewing works to stimulate the central nervous system. That comes from a book called That's a Fact, Jack. And I assume it is. A fact, <laughs> that is. <laughs> Check. So yeah. just, uh, you know, get up in the morning, go to the refrigerator, get an apple, just start eating yeah. it. Eh, okay. You don't need it's that. It's a thought co- like we should have had them this morning, and since we didn't have a coffee maker, that worked. Oh, don't get into that. Uh, <laughs> lots of swear words Boy, down sounds there. sounds like somebody's still a little upset about the <laughs> coffee not being okay today. All right, a quickie, Bob. Harrison Ford played a high school principal in a smash hit from the 80s, but he wound up on the cutting room floor. What was it? He played a principal? Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. High school principal. It wasn't one of the um, Back to the Future films or something, was it? No. No, no. I I don't... Can you tell me who starred in the film? I'll tell you the year, 82. Well, that doesn't help much. Yes, it does. It does? Mm Mm-hmm. He wasn't a high school principal in the town where Jaws was shot. No. The film, okay. No, but you got the right director. It's E.T. again. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he was uh, 1982, remember I said? Okay, 40 years ago. But yeah, he played uh, in... uh, One of the characters' high school? One of the characters' high school. He was the principal. Oh, no kidding. So that was like a favor to Spielberg or something? 
that must have been a, a cameo or something. Yeah, that oh, probably okay. because Spielberg, he worked with him, and he did it oh, as a favor right. or something. Then maybe you're right this okay, time. Okay, Marcia, this expression is one that has a nautical origin. Okay, okay. a naughty? Nautical, oh, okay. meaning the sea, feeling under the weather. Uh-huh. What's the origin of that expression? Under the weather, under the weather, uh, feeling under. Tell me. Well, when a sailor was feeling ill, he would go beneath the bow, which is the front part of the boat, and this would hopefully protect him from adverse conditions as he was literally under the bad weather that could further sicken him. So a sailor who was sick could be described as being under the weather. Ah. Uh, oh, he's down there. He's under the weather. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. In a arcane kind of way. Well, All right. most of these are arcane, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's why okay. we ask them on the podcast. Uh, and I got a couple more here. E.T. was one of your all-time favorite movies, yes, wasn't it? It, it is. It what, is not was. What did you drive me crazy with when we first met? E.T. fun. Oh. Yes. Oh, it was such a turn on. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you hey, did a. You were in a commercial. I wrote a commercial, and and it was the year that ET came out, and it actually won Best of Show at an Addy Awards. Yes, and that was your voice in there. ET phone. Yes, Elliot. Yes, okay, yes. so here's the question, Bob. Okay, yes. What was the original candy chosen to be Reese's Pieces Follow Me Trail? I know the answer to this. It was M and M's, and M and M's would not. They didn't want to pay the product placement fee. Well. That, that's not the info I have. Okay, from what's the, the info you have? Mars wanted to read the final script. Oh. And Universal said, nay, nay. And they also didn't like the look of the alien. <laughs> but Hershey jumped in with their brand new peanut butter filled bits called Reese's Pieces. I'll be darned. And the company said sales increased 65% two weeks after the movie came out. <laughs> well, it's, I believe it, because remember, Reese's Pieces, when they just started, that's no, just an M&M yeah, copy, but, but that movie, now they made yeah, it in the movie. That movie made it. Well, you know, that script was so tightly guarded. There were all kinds of NDAs people had to sign. Yeah, you know, that's the, why they wouldn't give them the end the of The script the, wouldn't but, leave the set and everything, because they but, were worried about the ending being known. You but know? the M&M people, I think that's a lack of forethought, don't you, oh, that thinking? Was, uh, yeah, that was, was short-sighted. That's... Uh, but they were worried about their reputation. What kind of film is this? But it's yeah. Spielberg. You're worried about it going into the throat of a Jaws well, shark? short-sighted, yes. Okay, one more quick E.T. question. Okay. Do you know the original name Spielberg picked for his movie? It wasn't E.T. It wasn't E.T.? No, it wasn't. D- did it have more than one word? Yes. Two words? Okay. Uh-huh. Kid alien? Alien kids? Kid alien. Punk, <laughs> punk alien. That would be it. It was called Growing Up. Oh, no kidding. It was inspired by his adolescent feelings of alienation. In his childhood, he had to move to Arizona and his parents divorced. Yes. The movie turned out to be very relatable to a whole lot of kids because of those aspects of the movie. Well, she was a single mom, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. yeah. And it was in the suburbs. You know, that was, yeah. that's true. It, was, uh, it took those two aspects uh, for the first time. I mean, did you ever see a movie take place in the suburbs with a kid riding his bike? I hadn't uh, you know, go to Lassie, I guess, but that was the farm. That's right. It was the farm. <laughs> anyway, it was called Growing Up. Hmm. Okay. Well, one thing we did as kids was chew gum. Remember that? Did you chew gum? Did you like gum? Bubble gum, yeah. What kind of gum? Bubble. Oh, bubble gum. Make big bubbles did you, during class. Did you save the trading cards that came with the bubble gum, or did you buy a better brand of I gave of them to gum? boys to curry their favor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the question is, did that work? <laughs> no. 
Good Lord. Okay, well, <laughs> how long have people been chewing gum is the All question. Right. Well, that's a good question. And this is, is it... because archaeologists found some, yeah. okay. something a long time ago. All right, I'll say 1,500 years ago. 1,500 years? You think people have been chewing gum that long? Yeah. Well, that's not enough. Okay. <laughs> At least 9,000 9, years. 9,000, wow. Can you see ancient civilization walking around? Well, in Sweden, in Sweden, apparently, the Swedish scientists recently found what they believe to be a birch resin chewed and spit out by a Neolithic man. They dated it at 9,000 years old. So apparently that is an old, old bad habit, chewing gum. I used to chew gum until my middle age, and then one of my dentists said, what are you trying to do, wear out your jaws? And yeah, I thought, uh, oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, you could wear out your jaws. You know why I stopped chewing gum? Why? I just don't like the way people look chewing. Yeah, it is kind of a... It's ugly. Is it ugly, really? I think so. Okay. okay. What country had the world's first constitution? I thought it was the constitution of Iceland, wasn't it? No. Not Iceland. No. Okay, was it Greece? No. So this is the first country that wrote down a constitution. Right. And it beat the U.S. by 77 years. Oh, no kidding. Uh-huh. Okay, where was it? Ukraine. No kidding. Yeah. In 1710, a Ukrainian Cossack leader named Pilip Orlik wrote what is considered the world's first constitution. It was written in Ukraine, and it set forth three branches of government okay. and legally stressed certain values. For example, the first constitution emphasized the value of equality and human rights. Hmm. Historically, when you look at this written document, it also guarantees free elections. <laughs> wow, that's pretty yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I thought so too. In Ukraine of all places. Yeah. Well, I never thought of that. Me either. Okay, Marcia, I have a question for you about an ancient civilization. And how long did it take for its ruins to be rediscovered? Pompeii. 894 years. 942 years, 1,056 years, or 1,669 years. I'll take the last one. You are absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, 1,669 years, 1,669 years, the city of Pompeii, Italy, lay buried in its ash-covered tomb, and it was rediscovered in 1748 by a surveying engineer. It was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, you know, the date, the year? Uh, no, I do not. 79 A.D. So it was a time capsule, essentially, because it was incredibly yeah, preserved. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> 2,000 residents of the city were killed in the black cloud of smoke and ash, which suffocated them. That's yes. what it was. Oh, God. Yeah. Huh? 79 A.D., and then it was rediscovered in 1748. Okay. So 1,669 okay. years 1748. later. 1748. Okay. It seems like a, we've heard about that all our lives and seen pictures of it and stuff. Okay. And they keep discovering things. Though. Yeah, they do. Okay, Bob, where is the site of the largest plane ever built? The largest plane ever built? Where is the site of it? Uh-huh. Yeah, you can say what country. I was just... I thought it was in the United States, San Diego, and it was the Howard Hughes plane. Yeah, the, spruce the spruce goose. The spruce goose. Yes. Is where it is or but where it was. No, no, no. Until February, when it was destroyed by the Russian army, it was in Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, that's right. I know they had a huge plane there. Yes. They only made like one or two of them. One. Okay. The Antonov and 225 Mariah plane had a wingspan of around 290 feet. It was immense and impressive, to say the least. And it weighed over 1,400 pounds. The largest plane was built during the Soviet era 
of Ukraine's history. And, uh, and then until the Russians destroyed it. Uh, it was in a museum or it was being curated. It was being kept. It I, was being kept, yes. Yeah, I read about an article about the guy who's responsible for that. That's a shame. Ukrainian officials vowed to rebuild the plane. Okay, I've had a number of questions over the past few episodes about dating and online dating. I have a whole bunch of stuff, so I'm just dribbling it out here uh-huh. and there. So I'm going to ask you, what popular website was originally conceived for online video dating, but that idea was scrapped. Say it again. What popular website or web service was originally conceived for online video dating? Was it Facebook? No. Um, Okay. uh, Think of the big sites out there now. Yeah, it wasn't TikTok, Twitter. No. What else is there? Uh, Instagram. No. Okay, tell me. Those are all great guesses. Thank you, darling. But they are all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The answer is YouTube. Oh, I should have thought of that. In 2005, three PayPal employees dreamed up a video dating site called TuneIn Hookup. TuneIn Hookup is what Ah. it was called. Like the uh, photo voting site Hot or Not, but with user-uploaded videos. They scrapped that idea and instead created YouTube. Wow. So, but it, originally, they thought of it as a video dating site. Yeah, that makes sense, and it would have probably worked, but nothing as big as YouTube is today. Speaking of dating again, what is the invention that mobilized online dating? Because there was online dating before there was a smartphone. Mm-hmm. So what invention mobilized online dating? The iPhone. Launched in 2007. It was the first smartphone and it helped online daters communicate on the go. On the go. Dating apps soon followed. Okay. Look at this hat guy while I'm grocery shopping at Piggly (laughs) Weekly. That's true. All right. And speaking of social media, who lists himself on his Twitter account as dad, husband, president, citizen? Dad, husband, president, and citizen? Uh Was that Barack Obama? Yes, (laughs) that is his Twitter bio. And he has the most followers of anybody on social media with 132 million followers. That's interesting. I like his... uh, It's cute. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Dad, husband, president, citizen. In order of what he thinks important. Yeah. Apparently. On my Facebook page, I have Zen Master. Zen Master. (laughs) As my bio. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I have a question. One more question about the body here today. What is your body's largest organ, and how much does it weigh compared to your brain? Its skin is your largest organ. That's true. And uh, how much does your skin weigh compared to your brain? I'll say, golly, four times as much. Two to three times heavier. Okay. Yeah, it weighs eight to ten pounds. That's what your skin weighs. Okay. That's two to three times heavier than your brain. Well, I was pretty dang close. Very close, Marcia. Very good. Okay, all right. I got a quote here, Bob. Chris Rock on gun control. We don't need gun control. I think if every bullet costs $5,000, we wouldn't have any innocent bystanders. Oh, Uh, well, yes. (laughs) He's got a point. I thought he was going to say slapping is free. Oh, I think he said this before the slap. You're right. (laughs) Okay, this is kind of a long quote, but it's kind of fun and interesting, and it's from Yoda. Ah. From The Last Jedi, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, Star Wars. It says, pass on what you have learned, strength, mastery, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. (laughs) I like that. Isn't that that good? And it's true. It is true. 
As I know, because I've learned so much from (laughs) from my failures. That's it for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time when we return with more fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia here on The The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.